0: For those who know what's right, for those wedded to the machines in their bedrooms or studios, their best friend's garage or basement, for those who negotiate with the system every day to make time for the music that matters, For those who get in debt to fund the fight against the mundane. For those who stay true to their cause even in the face of income and fame through compromise. For those who feel the power of every beat. For those who keep their minds open. For those who encourage and support those pursuing their personal dream. For those who sacrifice relationships to make sure the music is heard. For those for which the music is a lifetime, not a pastime. This. Is. Base. Agenda. Agenda. Doing, welcome to Base Agenda. Slightly different episode to what I was going to do this month. Uh, In fact, I started making this about six months ago as part of the uh, anniversary of Base Agenda, ten years. Those of you who've been paying attention will know we did a show celebrating ten years with a couple of guest mixes from uh, UMEC, as uh, Zeta Reticular, and from Vibo. Uh, but this show is more of a look back over the last ten years, and after six months of doing little bits and pieces to it. I was almost not going to bother because it's been a huge amount of work but I saw something on Twitter this week which uh, really made me kind of think it's worthwhile doing this thing uh, somebody had tweeted, I think it was a a blog dance music blog had tweeted a particular DJ was showing his electro side I think they may have even used the word classic electro side so I clicked, had a watch of the video and this guy, very nice hair, was playing the track that you can hear in the back here which is a mashup of his own track and an Adele track those of you who follow me on Facebook will know I shared it on there and it got quite a reaction it's insane still after all these years that people are using the word electro to describe that stuff so I thought I'd put together some clips some tracks from over the years interviews that I've done on the electronic and authentic genuine true electro scene maybe educate people on what electro really is but also gives me a chance to play out some of my favourite clips from guests over the years. Some of it's really good advice. Some of it is just really cool ways of explaining the creative process, really cool way of explaining what electro is, and importantly, people also explaining the history and the legacy that true electro is built on. So I hope you enjoy the show. Got a few tracks scattered in here as well. Otherwise, we've got lots of clips from the likes of Juan Atkins, Keith Tucker, Santiago Celazar, Helen Houth, Mariska Neumann, just to set the scene and make a point of why we're doing this. I'm going to let this track play for about a minute and then we'll get into some true electro and a bit of techno going
1: forward. (laughs) I'm hot, 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 i am hot i am hot i
2: I'm hot, 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 i
0: drum here eat sleep electro repeat gonna start getting a bit deeper into it now first up a man who really does know what electro is gonna set the scene dave clark talking about exactly what we're dealing with
3: i think in the beginning it was all about how futuristic it sounded and how it sort of engaged the mind in a non-44 beat and uh just sort of encapsulated all about how amazing technology could be and what it will be and so all the early One Atkins records and um, all that sort of stuff basically made you think that in 10 or 15 years time we'd all be actually living in spaceships so that's what started it all off and the fact that it was rather good fun, uh, I can't do it now obviously but it was rather good fun at the time to, to body pop and, and, and break dance too. Um. Throughout the years, I think it's down to the fact that it just sounds so fucking amazing. And um, whilst the lyrics don't always sound as futuristic as they might do, in fact, some of them sound a little bit retro and almost in homage to people like Buck Rogers... Uh, the actual grooves themselves and the bass, and when you hear it on a great sound system, it's just mind blowing. So, it's just an incredible, incredible, uh, genre. And, um, actually, this week, um, I've actually just done a whole white noise show again, uh, dedicated to electro because it's just, uh, still masses of it coming out. It's, a very very specialist genre it's um, it 's not obvious to people it 's not easy on the ear unless you you 're trained in it it 's not going to make you millions of bucks and it 's uh, a tricky music I suppose to uh, get people to dance to unless they know about it so i don 't think it 's going to be uh, the low it 's going to be high profile at all of course they bastardize everything these days even techno has been bastardized into some minimal tech house shite that really isn't techno anymore it's just uh, yeah it's just derivative to be honest um, so and electro has been bastardised too but the real electro is always going to be relatively low profile and I don't have an issue with that and I'm sure the people that make it don't either genres matter for descriptions and pigeonholing but really they're always going to be bastardised because it's a way of making money and and Rather than come up with a whole new genre, uh, it's easier to pollute a genre with lots of history and um, heritage. It's a lot easier to do that. I mean, I just play the music that I believe in that has that genre tag. And hopefully people will understand that the electro I'm playing is the one with the heritage. It's the one that's, that's, that's evolved and it's the one that keeps moving forward and it's not the shite that you're referring to. told me they call it doing that.
4: Ice Cube told me he calls it and rap. I wrote my name in graffiti on the walls. Listening to Dr Dre make house calls. I bought my first drum machine.
0: Ademar there with My Education touches on some of the legacy that true electro is built on. Next up, one of Electro's finest, the supremely talented, Anthony Roter. A little bit of music from him, then we're going to hear his description of the creative process from his first appearance back in 2014.
5: This is Anthony Roter and you listen to Bass Agenda. produce an album and you're into the storyline and you live every track um, yeah it's like a trip and that's the way it should be it's sometimes it's hard because you losing sometimes contact to reality because you have to uh, um, get into the stories that deep that you you yeah you lose contact to rea- reality this is some, sometimes it it feels a bit strange, but then when it's when it's there and you you have it done, yeah, I think it's one of the best moments in your life. Your daily life and your normal life is turned upside down because you you, you can't be a normal person in this moment. You have to stay in the storyline. You have to stay in the adventure, and uh, but you also have to find out. Uh, 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 back to reality and, um, and this makes this time so so great because it's really, it's like the whole world is turning and uh, that's something sometimes it's, sometime it's uh, it seems to be dangerous but um, when you're out of it and you have the result and everything is nice then it's the greatest thing because you really have lived it for the moment
6: Hello, this is Carl Finlow, and you're listening to
3: Base Agenda.
0: from Cyberdyne Systems, Program State. This is the Legovelt remix, and it's Legovelt who we turn to next. One of my favorite interviews uh, that I've done over the last 10 years, partly because he's such a great producer, of course, but partly also because he just has a great way of describing things, particularly when it comes to creativity, and of course, EDM as well. that there is a rich history you know, how do how do people in your position for example feel about edm and sort of the, the really commercialized side of electronic music do, do you have any kind of opinion on that yeah
7: yes i definitely have, have an opinion on, on <laughs> e- you, e- <laughs> edm yeah because <clears throat> one of my slogans is uh, side by side we ride against the hordes of edm yeah. you know like the, the horsemen of the a- apocalypse mm into crowds of EDM idiots now I, I, I despise it it's, it's horrible it's it's like the lowest form of culture and that, and it's it, always people think you know if, if, if you um, if somebody asks well uh, what, what do you do and he says yeah I'm, I'm a music producer what kind of music yeah like uh, Electronic music like techno and house, and then they go, oh, like uh, Skrillex or uh, dead mouse or what's that other guy called? Uh, <laughs> I don't know, the oh, Mart- yeah. Martin, Martin Garrix or something. And oh, said, no, yeah. it, like, because it's answer. yeah, uh, that, that makes me more uh, angry. Because or not ang- yeah, angry, angry. You know then. I know, I know what you mean. Because it, it, it's basically kind of the same music, you know, in, in the genre-wise, you know, if, if you put it like really uh, 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 root, you know, like, oh, this is electronic music, so, yeah.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of the press and a lot of the stores particularly thing, you know, like Beatport in particular, tend to lump everybody together, and it's quite frustrating to see Underground Resistance and Martin Garrix in the same... <laughs> Yeah. Genre, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a, a, a big difference. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know what you feel about this. This this theory. I've spoken to some people who've who've actually surprised me with quite a positive view, and that is that by engaging young people with EDM, there will come a point where they get bored with EDM and start to
7: dig deeper. Do you, do you think that maybe is? Do you think there's some truth in that maybe? Yes, I uh, I think that theory has some uh, merits because I I thought the same thing, you know. Maybe for every like a thousand uh, EDM, uh, you know, wankers, there's going to be, uh, maybe three, maybe two, maybe if it's just one, one out of, yeah. you know, that's it's it's, it's going to be a little bit uh, more deeper about it, you know. Yeah. yeah. But you think the numbers will be low? Yeah yeah maybe well maybe they get higher in the future
0: yeah Let's see. i guess we'll find out it's uh seems to be on the decline a bit now
7: mm-hmm.
0: I, think, I think the hype's wearing off a little bit um yeah no cool man so um i know we touched on this earlier slightly but i just wonder if, if you've got a do you have a particular creative process or do you you know do you do you, do you, do you quite messy with the way you work or do you sit down and say, right, today I'm going to make this, and it's going to be like that? And Do you have a kind of uh, a process to it?
7: Uh, well, I don't really have a creative uh, standard process. I'm, I'm quite mm. uh, chaotic and, uh, like you say, a messy. Yeah, that's a good description.
0: Yeah, meant um, to be meant to be a positive.
7: <laughs> y- yeah, yeah, I, I understand that. But... Uh, um, yeah, I'm I'm very chaotic in my in my head, but uh, there are of course certain ways to uh, control that, and uh, uh, especially through making music, you know. So, uh, yeah, and um, I guess uh, some important things also to stay uh, a little bit fresh creatively is uh, to to have curiosity, you know. I I think that's, that's very important. Uh, yeah, if you're not curious, you just as well me, uh, might be a, a sea cu- cucumber rotting away in its own uh, dribble slime or something. But um, yeah, if, if you have interest for stuff that's outside the mainstream media, you know, and, and, uh, mm-hmm. I guess that that's good for the brain. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, also to have curiosity in in different music styles. Um, no, like because uh, I guess if you, if you just keep listening to one certain style, yeah, you, you, you get an um, in, inbreeding, I guess in your in your mind, and yeah. then
0: yeah, you're yeah,
7: limiting, you're limiting uh, your, yeah, and then yeah. also when you create it, maybe at, at least for me, you know, I I could never create just one uh, music style, and it would be uh, like being in a in an uh, an artistic prison.
0: gonna stick with Legovelt a little bit longer one of his influences one of the tracks he chose was this classic by Aphex Twin and I just loved the way he described it
7: Album for me is, is a is a, a work of genius, and yeah. uh, of course I just pick these at, at random. Uh, but yeah, I can, can talk hours about this album, and um, I think I saw this track uh, for the first time on MTV, because back in the in those days, yeah. MTV plays a lot of weird stuff like also non-pop music uh, especially on Saturday mm-hmm. and Sunday nights um, and yeah. uh, it, it used to be an important source to to hear new weird yeah. stuff you know mm-hmm. especially if you were kind of uh, isolated from record stores mm-hmm. and stuff like it yeah. um but yeah, yeah uh good. <laughs> yeah yeah I guess so. but, um, yeah, so this was the first time I heard it, and I was like, "Wow, this is." I also, went like, "Oh, this is something special." It doesn't sound like all the, all the, uh, you know, like a funky house or, or hardcore hubbard. This, this went like through a completely different way, and a way I found very uh, interesting. And it's, yeah, it's it's also um, evaporatingly, strangely mysterious. Mm. Especially if you're a little bit younger, uh, and I, I was obs- obs- uh, I was extremely obsessed with this track. Mm. I would I would play it for hours and, and try to understand its significance uh, and mm. stuff like that, you know, and uh, how it starts with this simple uh, bleak melody. Mm. It's yeah. like, like some uh, deep, mystical, arcane version of popcorn mm-hmm. or something. <laughs> like, like yeah. it's, it's, I guess it's the same bleep. And then this smudge out uh, Roland R8 uh, drum machine rolls in. Mm. Yeah, what, what it sounds say? like it's speaking to you, but because there's no words, you're still trying to figure out what it's saying. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just a little description of of the track mm. where I find it so interest interesting, and also the, that huge bass line that comes in, which is like a woolly, mm. giant wall of clouds. That, that's how it sounds, you know. Mm. And then all all in a little sauce of vintage Roland reverb.
2: Yeah,
7: I, I guess I'm not sure.
0: Now, of course, we couldn't do a show on the true meaning and heritage of Electro without visiting Detroit. And in fact, I think some of the best interviews, the best stories I've had the honour of broadcasting over the last 10 years have come from people in Detroit. So we're going to hear from Juan Atkins and then the mighty DJ K1, a.k.a. Keith Tucker, next up.
8: Music for me is is uh, like an experience. It's uh, something about the waves, you know, because it's all about vibrations. We are just vibrations. Everything that you see and touch is just a vibration. So music definitely has uh, uh, a value that that can create different moods and different feelings, and uh, and I think um uh, that that's you know, I'm I'm plugged into this to this uh, this vibe so to speak and um and I think that I was gifted with uh, the ability to create certain tones and patterns of tones that uh, solicit a, a certain mood uh, from people and um or a certain way of thinking and um as it's changed, uh, the only thing has has changed really is, is uh, the technology that's, that's been uh, developed to uh, present the ideas and uh, pre- present these, these tones and, you know, uh, which, you know, are, you know, waves are kind of electronic and, and things. Um, anyway so it's just a natural progression
9: was really cool when we first came up with the first generation with like Derek, kevin and juan and carl craig and you are and mike banks and jeff mills when you made music and you went down to say kms transmat or, or or um metroplex you had to have confidence you don't just bring anything down there and i think that's what helped us It was like man You wouldn't even think To take nothing down there And get embarrassed like that You know It was like You had to take them Something where they be like Hey man What did you make that sound with You know That was kind of yeah. like a, That was just the way You had to really work And I think that's That's what's kind of Missing from Detroit But it still happens To the, like the older Older generation We still think that way When we play something We want you to say Damn that bass line damn the kick drum it's like yeah because we work hard to try to create something that people be like wow that's that's cool I think that's that's what I got out of it and when me and time we were talking about that the other day it's just uh you know it's like a confidence thing you know you can't come weak I just hate that now we hear so much music where you can just tell it's thrown together techno hip-hop whatever people just throwing it together we still you know, people hear our sounds like, man, you guys got this unmistakable sound. You do vocals and everything. We spend time doing it. We, matter of fact, now we we take even more time to work on this track because now we're into the whole mastering and everything. So. It's like, even if somebody went and bought Ableton, Fruity Loops or something like that, you know, you can't you can't you can't really dog off those programs or anything because there are some guys who can come up with some awesome stuff, you know? Yeah. It's just it's just they're they're good at it. Then there's some who just take it and just because they're not honest with themselves, just because you make music don't mean it's good. You have to be honest with yourself and be like, okay, if I played this record, can I compare this to what he's doing? You know what I mean? When we used to make music, we would try to compare it. Like we listen to Cybertron's. Like, can we put this up against Cybertron? But also say that we got our own style. I'm talking about like when you put our thing was always. As soon as you put that record on, when you're dealing with electro, as soon as you put it on, you should be ready to dance. As soon as you hear like one bar, you know that was our that was our little trick. But now. The computer age, man, everybody can do everything. You can make your own videos, you can do everything. So why would they say, why would anybody think they not do good at it? It might be, it's it's probably about 80% of bad electronic music out there, but it's always going to still be some good stuff. You know what I mean? Always going to be some good, and that's what's cool about the whole underground or whatever. You got to look for it, and that's the way it should be.
8: Eat. I'm so detroit. I you don't want none of this
10: Motherfuckers stop this, peeping all your sneaky ways, Try to change the history, fake news when time to play, pay your dues, fuck out the way, don't make me repeat, I'm so Detroit, and you don't want none of this. out the way
0: None of this amazing lyrics written and performed by the wonderful Black Tony and it's him we're going to visit next. A man full of wisdom and a great way of describing things. One thing that really struck me from his appearance on Bass Agenda a few years back now was his description of one of his influences. Amazing classic techno track. The Calling by Fade to Black. Drop shit throughout the galaxy
10: Teach your planners how we rock shit Get up out my seat I'm so drunk And you don't want none of this Devastating beats Legendary how we drop shit throughout the galaxy Teach your planners how we rock shit
6: My two tracks of inspiration. Uh, one is a, a techno tune by Fate Black called uh, The Calling, uh, the reprise version. Um, the story behind that is that's the first time really, I believe, it, it just stuck in my mind where I got it, where I got the whole techno thing, uh, the Detroit love um, I was coming out of a grocery store on Gratiot and Van Dyke at that particular time, and I was listening to some music that I had taped uh, that I didn't listen back to until that particular time, and I was crossing the street by the time I got to the intersection. This is in, through traffic on Gratiot and Van Dyke. Um, I'm looking down the street, and the song comes on. It's slow and melodic and, and drifting and, and and catching my attention and I'm standing there and I'm just caught in the listening experience at the time. Um I look to the right of me just to take you to a place where I was physically at this time. I look to the right of me and it's Techno Boulevard and downtown and I can get a clear view of what that is and what it means. And this track is coming in there and it was just so Detroit and it was just taking me somewhere that I've never been before. And I'm standing in through traffic. I had to almost shake myself to bring myself back to my, (laughs) my physical body. It was that good. And that was, just inspirational and driving to me. That cut has stayed with me and is one of my definitions that I use uh, with other people outside this genre to show them and teach them what techno is and can be.
0: voices from detroit coming up first up we've got adult then sean tate
11: you know music can make you feel so many different emotions and it's amazing how there are certain bands in your life that always sound good no matter how you you know you could take like the cure for me and or pil always sounds amazing <laughs> always fits where i'm at but
12: I was going to say, for me, I know that, you know, growing up, I grew up in a very small town in uh, Indiana, and it's a very uh, right-wing conservative uh, area, and I felt I didn't, I I had a few good friends that, you know, we were all kind of going down that same path of like, I don't fit in. But music for me was was that was what it was. Yeah, it was well, like, like wow, there's people out there all the way in London and Rome and it Japan gives that you are an that identity, are yeah like,
11: somewhere like that knowledge to know that there's other people out there that are kind of in this th- same.
12: So, so for me, it was just my first sense of community,
11: right? I mean, I think it gives you it gives you some kind of empowerment, right? Of like purpose, motivation.
12: We're not really that comfortable in our own skin to begin with So it's not, it's not that big of a reach for us to, to stay uncomfortable and, and I think also both of us growing up in suburbia And, and really uh, not liking that culture uh, Have always tried to, to make sure that we're not comfortable in every way so even going on the road, I mean, sometimes it's really hard, but it pops you out of routine. And then if you're on the road too long, I've seen it with other musicians too. If they're on the road too long, they get into another sort of comfort routine. So it really is about purposely not getting into your comfort zone too, too long.
9: Coming straight from the basement in Detroit. You're listening to Base Agenda. You suckers.
13: Music is everything in my life Uh, Music is what helps me Reduce my stress Uh, Music music helps me uh, Understand What life is Uh, It helps me Answer the question of My existence My significance And it also answers the question of My purpose Um, A lot of people go through life Not knowing what they're existence is, or what their purpose is, or what their significance is, but music is one of the forms that I have accepted and know that when it comes to me, myself, and I, that music
10: is everything to me, along with art.
0: For one of my favorite Detroit guests, going back to 2013, describing his track The Men You Never See, GJ Mako, aka Detroit, in effect.
13: um, I'm proud of this record because I I wanted to tell a story about a lot of us here, you know, in in Detroit. A lot of people all over the world, all over all over the state, all, all even in our own city, hear these songs time after time, time after time. They hear them over and over. They, they hear them everywhere. But we don't get the recognition of the hip hop stars, the pop stars, the, or whatever. You know, we don't. People they don't they, they don't they don't have an image of us. Uh, they hear the music, but at the same time, we're the men you never see. You you, you never see us. You you hear us, but you never see us. Unlike other mu- music genres, where you could put a face with that artist or what have you. But with us, it's the total opposite. And so that's the story I wanted to tell with that song. And I think a lot of people got it. I've always been inspired to create music. I think I can go back as far as me being six years old, being in church, listening to the choir sing and listening to the band get down. But it was something about the drums that really got my attention and and, and it really stuck with me. Um, I became interested in drums, like i say, at six years old. Uh, My dad realized, you know, that I was interested in them. And so the band members, they would, you know, put me up on the stool and and let me, you know, bang on the drums. And eventually I started, you know, getting a little rhythm with it. And as time went on, I couldn't afford a drum set, you know, as I was growing. But I used to, I would set boxes up. I could afford a pair of drumsticks. I, you know, get a pair of drumsticks. I would set boxes up. And um, in a house, and I would just bang away on the boxes until it got to the point where uh, it got too noisy. Well, you know, my mom she kicked me out the house and told me to take that noise that in the yard. And so I went and I took my boxes and I and I took my buckets and I was I set them up in the yard. And I'm and I'm one day one morning I'm banging away on these buckets and boxes just just doing my thing and it was a guy walking through the alley and he stopped and he watched me for a minute you know for a minute and he was really he was inspired he see this little guy with these boxes and these buckets you know banging away and uh he comes and uh you know he was talking with me he asked me you know so you know you like the drums and whatnot and I was like, yeah and uh he went and he talked with my mom for a minute. He was a, a you know, guy in the neighborhood that people knew and uh after they finished talking, he came back. He was like, you know, here come come with me. So we walked around the block to his house and he opened up his garage door and to me, it was the sweetest drum set I had ever seen. You know, and he, you know, he told me, you know, he was like, uh, you know, come on, uh, let me he- let me hear what you got. So I went, and I you know, I sat in the stool, in the stool, and you know, went to doing my thing. And uh, he went to, you know, showing me some some things. He taught me some things. Come to find out, I didn't know he was a, a drummer. Uh, from a group and um, from from Detroit, named 5 Special, and uh, you know he was the drummer, and uh, he took me up under swing, and uh, I'm, I'm I'm grateful for that, and I've I, I you know I stayed with drumming, and um, eventually I stopped drumming and got on got into DJing, you know, learning how to DJ, and from DJing. Um, I got into wanting to create music again with synthesizers and all that, so I went and I, I bought uh myself a uh this little keyboard synthesizer from Sears. Um, it was a toy, but you know, it to me, you know, it was it was the thing. You know, I, you know, I was doing my thing with it, and um, a friend took me over to Keith Tucker's house at the time. The uh the Ox eighty eight guy. And uh my, I was over his house and this guy got got he had uh, Juno one oh sixes eight 808 I had no idea what that stuff was. And um uh, you know he you know went to turn some stuff on and you know letting me hear stuff that he had did and yeah I mean it's just been on and popping ever since, you know. But yeah, so I've always wanted to create music, you know, starting at a
0: young age. Next up, this gorgeous track from The Martian called The Voice of Grandmother, one of the tracks chosen by Santiago Salazar, aka Seldom Seen. Back in 2013, he chose this track as one that inspired him to start making music, and I just love the way he described that to me. Check it out.
14: it was an experience i had on a dance floor like in 96 uh my friend developer who does the label modulars he was throwing these series of parties called the music institute and he had asked me to play and it was it was a small little loft here in los angeles and i remember there was it was like a, a small turnout but there was this one girl there who was just dancing and and i had played it and then she started doing this dance like she started to go with the with the with the with the rhythm the bass line and like the the not so four on the floor beat it's more of like a electro beat but not and she just started doing this dance and i i was just trance i was like this music is making her body do this and i was just like Hooked on that shit. Like it blew my my you know mind to see her body move and not the regular techno two-step back and forth wobble. She was doing this like it was just it was it was a unique thing. So I remember I went home the next day and I put the record on. And I go what 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 it what in the song made her body react in this way? And I listened to it over and over. I'm like this is a beautiful piece of work, you know like. And once it gets to the middle, that breakdown with the bassline, that funky like. Oh, I just lost it, dude. I was like, "It's just a, a inspirational track." Yeah, yeah. It's a very, it's very emotional. I think um, that song, but it's very power driving. Just that baseline. That it's it's just a unique piece of work that I don't think uh, nobody has touched since that track has been made. It's like it stands it stands by itself. Like to to hear music like like that, and for it to stand out, it makes me want to make something in that vein where it stands out but yet it's still good you know it's it's not just some boring cheesy style stuff it's it's unique it's different and it's driving you know and it makes the girls dance well (laughs)
0: So while we're deep in the Detroit section of the show obviously need to uh, mention Drexia and who better to do it than Stephen Rennicks the guy behind the Drexia Research Lab talking about the impact of Drexia and their legacy.
15: Yeah, I definitely think 25 years there'll still be reissues and there's still going to be people listening. Like a whole new generation of people I would think so. I would really think, think that is the case. I think it, there's two reasons, really. I mean, the music, I think, is still going to sound really contemporary, you know, somehow. You know, they I don't know how they did it. And I think, yeah, it's their influence. You do hear their influence out there. And I think that is going to keep them relevant because people are going to be interested in where this sound came from. And people will still name drop them quite rightly that you know they're a fan of Drexia and if you like what I'm doing, like there's certainly this band were an influence on me. And I think the mystery, I think the mythology, uh, and the mystery, uh, is always going to be a draw for people as well, because we're never going to get to the bottom of a lot of of the questions, uh, because James Stinson has died, and people around them are going to be tight tight-lipped. Quite rightly about a lot of things, a lot of the detail. Um, I mean, there's a part of me that would love to know, uh, but that would spoil. It would spoil a lot of enjoy, enjoyment. Even the the producer, there's always a mystery when you come up with that perfect track. You know, you don't know how you did it either, really. And I'm sure they might have known that te- te- technically how they did it, but they don't know where that inspiration came from. And I, th- I think that that is a mystery that we're never going to solve in general of of music, and that's always going to be there for for Drexia, uh, and then all the other stuff that is intriguing about who was in the studio and what t- when did they actually do it, what what's the time period, uh, what you know, um, it, it's not really that important in a way, and I think um, the the way that um, Drexia has have now also become. Um, like the visual arts um, have taken an interest in them, probably more because of the Afrofuturism uh, aspect of their work, the sort of science fiction element, the African-Americans, you know, working, uh, like the following tradition of Sun Ra, uh, George George Clinton, people like that. Uh, And obviously Jeff Mills and you are, they're all doing that as well. Um, So I think they are now... There's been uh, a recognition of their work, you know, and uh, visual artists uh, and uh, uh, academics in in the arts are very interested in Drexia and and what they were doing in the 90s. So that that has introduced them again to a whole new audience uh, and has made them, again, uh, relevant uh, to to today. So they were definitely ahead of their time uh, as well.
3: and two base agenda.
0: over the last 10 years has been with Martin Bonds and Brian Bonds aka real to real and Strand I asked them if they could put their finger on what it is that's made Detroit so special particularly back in the day when all this began
16: I think it, it was a it was a combination Terrestrial radio was wide open. Um, mm. DJs had discretion to play whatever they wanted to play, mm. and uh, yeah. that influenced us to no end. Um, it was mm. you—you—you—you did not have to be—you weren't—I—you—you—your identity wasn't based on. What you listen to, so to speak, you can, you were free to mm. listen to anything, and mm. you know, now you would get ridiculed sometimes. Um, you know, we were the weirdos, we were the hippies, you know, <laughs> um, but I think because of that freedom and the mm. fact that we would listen to music from other parts of the world, and this is going mm. back in the 70s, you know, late mid 70s, 80s, we were all influenced, and I think we took those influences subconsciously,
2: Mm. and it came through when we
16: were all creating Mm. music. Those influences came through subconsciously, I believe. I and and also it was a a time where we could gather like-minded spirits. thinkers we would gather and have social events and uh, it it was a I don't want to call it spiritual at all although some of the moments at the Music Institute were spiritual uh, spiritual vibe to it but I think Mm -hmm. that that whole uh, scene is what the rest of the world picked up on and could relate yeah, yeah. to it because, at all, I see it was special, and it'll never be repeated mm. ever. And and there's nothing wrong with that. That's what makes uh, movements that 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 resonated with people. That's what makes them special. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that, and um, that's not to say what can, comes after is any less relevant. Mm-hmm. It's just to say that to your question, um, what made it special is because it was a, a an amalgamation of of, mm-hmm. of 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 circumstance. Very progressive. Yeah, yeah. I, I never can put a never. I can never put my finger on one thing that made Detroit progressive. Detroit is always you know progressive. And, and think when Brian was talking about. Terrestrial mm-hmm. radio, and the DJs play what they want to play, as opposed to you know anyone that's thirty years old or younger. Everything's mm-hmm. programmed already, corporate programmed. But back then, they could play what they want to play. And I remember hearing Trans Europe Express when I was a kid on the mm-hmm. radio on a pop station. I think it was WDRQ. I was like, yeah. that's you know who, who would imagine that you hear Trans Europe Express on you know yeah. when it was out in seventy-seven, seventy-eight, whatever, on a, on a freaking pop radio station.
12: <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, that
16: wouldn't happen now, now, now.
0: Time to head back to Europe now, the gorgeous sounds of Mariska Niermann, finding our way back home, and then we hear from Plant43 with his sublime track, Cavernous Bones.
11: Or kind of like mm. finding your way back to yourself, reconnecting to yourself. You know, we life is uh, is challenging sometimes. We'll have uh, experiencing experiences that are challenges, and it's important to come back to to yourself always. Mm. And in the in a more romantic context, I would say when I thought of finding our way back home is also two people being separate and finally finding their way to each other. Mm-hmm. And I love kind of being the home, you know. Um, I guess I'm quite introspective. Um, most of all, it's like I mean I can't I can't put words to I can't put words to music. i uh, finding track titles I think is the hardest thing. Yeah, or even finding yeah. visuals for my music. Like I don't know. For me, it's like it's up to the interpretation of the listener. Mm-hmm. Uh, for sure. There's, there's not really a, a, a story that I want to tell with my music. It's just it's what I'm feeling in the moment, and people can make their own story, right? Mm-hmm. For example, with with uh, some tracks that I make, when I close my eyes, one day I see like a, I see like uh undersea scenery. But mm-hmm. the day I might listen to the track and I see myself on a. on a voyage in in outer space, you know?
17: Yeah, 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 no, I get you.
11: (laughs) Or somewhere in nature, like, it always changes, so... Mm -hmm.
10: Listen to me, what we do here, it's fucking
18: essential. It's like oxygen. The world's dying of a thousand heart attacks. We heal them up. It's a goddamn public service what we do. It's not, it's not that's the only reason to make Music, 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 music.
17: skies of intransigence just it was basically after the riots happened you know I don't know if any people really picked up on this but it's quite a political album or at least attempts to be sort of capturing my feelings about what was happening in society at that point and I was really quite angry with the government and you know the austerity measures and all the stuff that uh, led to the riots and, and it was you know I mean because I lived in Croydon at the time it happened pretty much on the, my doorstep. My partner and I had been helping out local charity who did it was a, just a youth service that was a few, few doors down from us We we helped them build a new website and they ran some really cool projects like they basically there was a lot there was a big estate across the road from it where there was lots of kids who weren't really didn't have anything to do. And they ran stuff for kids where they would they could go and do uh, graffiti. They had a music production studio where they had about six acts where kids could go go and make music. And it got it got shut down uh, when they started cutting the local funding. And I I just yeah it was really it was just kind of quite a, quite a weird experience watching it all unfold so close to home. If you look at the song titles on that track and on that album and read the press release there you know it basically sort of it's, it's me trying to sort of come to terms with how I felt with all that stuff um going on what happens for me is I just I just have loads of stuff kind of goes in and I absorb it like a sponge and then when I go into the studio there's all this stuff that I need to kind of get out the song title probably is kind of just about a sort of feeling of of emptiness um Which I think is probably in the track as well because it's quite sparse compared to a lot of the other things that I've made.
0: amazing Helena Houth talks about social media and DJing while we hear her track The Electronic Future with Paris the Black Food.
19: Yeah, I think social media just simply can't replace the real life experience. It's just a completely different thing. One of the reasons why I don't want my sets to be recorded all the time because I think it's just not the same. You can't recreate the the whole atmosphere. You know when you have people watching boiler room. It's it's okay to have like a few sets recorded and everything so people can see what you do and get like an idea of what you do. But you will never get the whole picture and feel feel the energy when you watch something on YouTube. It's just impossible. And I just hope that people will stop to put so much importance on social media because I think it just simply isn't that important. Um, But I don't think the bubble is gonna burst. Sorry, (laughs) I think people just like those likes a little bit too much. I just think what would make me dance even more if I was in the crowd. So I only ever play stuff that I think, okay, I I would want to dance to this. I would like to hear this right now if I was dancing, if I was on the dance floor. And I never try to challenge people, or never try to teach people. I just want them to have a good time. But for some weird reason. The kind of music I play is just what I really like and what will make me dance. So I end up challenging people I guess sometimes or I end up um, not being the teacher because I really don't like the word teacher at all. But I, I feel like it's just showing people what there is and introducing them to new music just like other DJs so are introducing me to new music. or. Even people in the crowd are introducing me to new music when we talk about it or something. Um, I think we all can just learn from each other. But yeah, I always only play stuff that I think will make people dance. And um, if it does, then that's great. And if it don't, well, it's kind of, everybody's got their own taste in music and I would never expect someone else to like what I like. Um, but it's cool if they do.
0: It's down again now. Listen to one of my favorite interviewees. Guy who uh, I could listen to all day when it comes to describing music. From Dallas. Cygnus. Talking about his track, Volus Murgatroyd. Yeah, I'm glad you can pronounce that.
20: <laughs> you pronounced it perfectly. I made those words up. It's a name for a an alien, an extraterrestrial uh spectral being. <laughs> yeah, that's just one of those tracks. Sometimes I fall into a weird kind of trance where I feel like I'm being contacted by some kind of extraterrestrial being. I mean, I'm, either I'm on I, I'm on the computer and I feel like I need to like reach out to my friend Robin or my friend Tom and ask them questions to kind of calm me down but in that case i just got on my my synthesizers and made made that song there are three other songs that i made in part with that that i was going to release as a as an album but the fucking synth that i made them on was my uh my, an- my electron analog four it's currently indisposed i'm looking at it right now and i'm very sad but um but i've got a um the the track the the album that those were all going to go on was called Mobius cubes. And, uh, I sent, I sent that out to a couple of people, um, not, not to looking to get it released or anything like that, just to see if like, if anybody else had had the same vibe that I had that, that brought those songs out or had any, had if, if any intuitions were triggered or if any kind of like, uh, I don't know. Spectral beings would go and talk to them or anything like that, but I uh, th- that didn't really happen. They were just like, "Yeah, dude, you're fucking crazy, but you make really nice electro." And uh, so that track um, kind of was just the, the the wordless feeling of of that experience.
0: that track next up some of the best advice expressed in one of the best ways by one of the best electro artists we have the UK's DMX crew
18: my advice to people who want to make music is think about this is, this is from Nile Rogers actually from Chic think about your unique selling point um, you know think about what it is that makes you why someone should listen to what you do instead of what everyone else does so don't try and be the same as X, Y and Z try and be the next thing that they want to be all the people who you really look up to whether it's Aphex Twin or Craftwork or Mr. Fingers or even if it's like Skrillex or they're people who've come out with something that's they're not copying someone else you know they've just come up with their own thing and that's an expression of their personality so that's the biggest thing like you know make make art don't make a product like make something that matters to you and the other thing is all the stuff you can read on forums is bollocks right both aspects of it you can't learn first of all you can't buy anything that'll make you your music better there's there's like a minimum of equipment that you need Right, and nowadays that minimum is a is a computer. And maybe in the past that minimum was a sampler and a synth and a drum machine and a mixer or something. But now that minimum is a computer, so you don't need anything. If you want to get a particular sound and you want to buy something or buy a nice toy or whatever, wicked, do it. But you don't need it, and that's not what's holding you back. That's never. That's not what's holding you back. And and you can't learn techniques from a website either or from a youtube video you can learn by doing it's the only way you can learn anything is to just get on with it do it wrong and do it wrong and do it wrong and then do it right you've got to put the hours in but if if it's if you if it's the right thing for you to be doing then it's not even hard work because it's just fun so even every every crap track every rubbish track you make think about think of it as a wicked afternoon that you spent messing about I'm passing the hours of my life in, in my studio having a wicked time I'm not, I'm not agonising over whether it's any good and whether anyone likes it and don't worry about don't look at what the next person's doing it doesn't matter
0: we also can't talk about Electro and the foundations it's built on without talking about craftwork. probably the most selected artist group amongst all the guests that I've had on Base Agenda over the last 10 years so many clips I could play but I really like the way Egyptian Lover brings it and talks about the evolution from Numbers to Planet Rock to Egypt, Egypt and of course as we know way beyond that too
21: Man, when I first heard that record, it's a long story. I mean, it um, goes back to a girl I was in love with in high school. I used to write her love notes and poems and things like that. Well, one day she knocked on my door, and um, I was like, whoa, she knocked on my door. So I opened the door, and she says, can you put this album on a cassette tape for me because I don't have a record player. I I, I gave it a chance because I was was in love with her, and I said, what is this? And I saw these four guys, these four white guys, actually, on the the album cover. She said she got it at the park. It was a promo. And she heard it um, a little bit on her father's record player. And she said she liked it. So she wanted it on cassette. So I I took it and I put it on cassette. And while listening to it, of course, I gave it a chance because I was in love with her. And I said, wow, this is pretty cool. It's like futuristic kind of music. And I heard the whole side A and I heard the whole side B. And I was like, this is some nice stuff. I really like this. And I was making mixtapes at the time. And I was like, I wonder if I could rap over this numbers beat. She came to pick up the cassette tape. And um, she said, I can have the album, because she didn't have a record player to play on. So she actually gave me my first Kraftwerk album. Months later, I heard Planet Rock. And I was like, whoa, they did what I wanted to do. They rapped over the numbers beat. And it was it was my turn after that. I was like, oh, I got to do this now. And I end up marrying that girl. It took numbers, it gave it more beat, more, more bass, and just made it a little funky, and that was an eye-opener to me, like, oh, they took it and made it funky, or made it soulful, made it black, actually just took it to another level, so when I created Egypt Egypt, I wanted to give it even more bass, more bottom, and give it my own sound, like, for my hood. My way to the studio to write the song called beast beats my mother and sisters saw the title of the song and they said don't go to don't go to the studio and play with the devil like that because you know you're playing with the devil's calling it beast beats and I and before that I had um, like an hallucination that the devil actually came to me and told me I was gonna make a song called beast beats and I was gonna be a big star so I thought about that when they told me not to play with the devil so I said oh I better not play with the devil then so I went to the studio and I erased the drum machine, I made new beats, and I took the Beast beat titles and put them away and recorded new track, I mean, um new songs. I took like several different songs and made one song, and that song came out to be Egypt Egypt. So it wasn't planned at all, I went to the studio and just four or five different songs that I was writing all became one song, and, and I just recorded it like I was mixing, like I was DJing at a club, and I took parts and just mixed them in and out, and that's, that's that, That's how that song came about. You hear different parts coming in. It's like a DJ just getting down. It just just keeps you going, keeps you dancing. It's definitely a dance record.
0: Didn't really expect this to be the case when I started Base Agenda, but it turns out that having the archive of interviews means we've managed to preserve the voices of some amazing artists who are no longer with us. We'll be getting onto those in a minute. Before that, though, speaking of somebody who's no longer with us but had a huge influence on just about everybody, going to take a revisit back to a fairly recent show, Radioactive Man, talking about his friend and collaborator, the mighty Andrew Weatherall. He's left. He's left
22: such a legacy and an inspiration oh, to so many people, you know. So we've, yeah, yeah. we've got to take a lot of positives too. Oh know, God, so. yeah,
0: I, no, I agree with you, mate. Yeah, yeah, it's um, quite something. So you were saying earlier on that it was kind of through the the end of Sabres into the Aloof, that kind of era where you you and he first met up.
12: And
22: yeah, so I so going done. back to when I when I was working in a studio and I was making a tea and basically skinning up and going to shops and all that you know that was and then basically the aloof were um doing recording an album or something like that elsewhere and then andrew would still come Mm. in and and i was still learning you know and 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 so Mm. a lot of those like the first record called the fifth mission is just like doodles really but you know in in fact listening to them back these days you know now it's like actually, they actually sound pretty good but it's kind of like quite mm. quite sort of just two guys getting stoned and m- making noise <laughs> 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 and we we always had such a great time he's such a funny guy you know it's like really like a joy mm. an absolute joy to be around you know and, 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 and right. it really, it really rubs off on you that kind of um, that kind of love and obsession for music and mm. you know um there, I don't, I don't think there, I don't I think I don't think he had a moment when he wasn't I mean he obviously had breaks and stuff like that but you know it was like mm. it was it it was 24 7 music mm, you know right. and, that, and that really like it really rubs mm. off rubs off on you and um Mm. You know, because he, w- he wasn't—he wasn't really a musician. He was—he was a DJ. He just loved music, and that's how he got into mm. into it in the first place, and how he got into doing stuff. Because, yeah, yeah. You know, he—he—he he, he was a DJ, and then it was the Primal Scream thing that kicked it off mm. for him. Yeah, you man. know, yeah. Um, but you know, he was—he—he he was going into studio with just with 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 the love of music, and that's really—and mm. you know—and that proves that you can. Just you've got someone to help you, you know, mm. do the technical side of it, and mm. that's and vibe and you vibe off each other, you know. So it's like, you know, yeah. he'll be he be digging out all sorts of samples, and he's got this outrageous record collection, you know, and mm. um, <laughs> just you know, you just, he'd, be, he'd play stuff a lot. So you you were making music, and then he'd sort of, right, have a listen to this, you know. And so yeah, you yeah. you're not, you know, and that that's something that it was quite unique to him you know. I mean other people, mm. other people do it but it also he had a lot of patience as well so he'd be like mm. you know like sometimes if you sort of get a sound going, maybe a bass line or something like that but the sound's not right mm. a lot of other people I've worked with but oh, I don't like that let's move on you know but Andrew would he'd be like well let's just work with that for a bit and he might work on it for a couple of hours just trying to get the bass sounding right or whatever sound it was to sound right You know, and and then it would always pay off. You know, and it's just having that kind Mm. of patience and sort of foresight, really, to see what you know. This this is a bit. This isn't really working now, but it could do in a few hours. You know,
0: and and yeah, and that's interesting you say that because I think a lot of people these days, because of the digital thing, I think a lot of people don't put that those hours in, and you can actually, you can definitely hear it when somebody's kind of crafted it a bit, and you
22: know. Yeah, yeah, He's you know. Really so care into it. it, 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 it. Yeah. He was unique, unique like that, and mm. a real like, um, but amazing, I mean, amazing sense of humor as well. You know, really fucking right. funny, funny, funny fucker was he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 really cutting, sarcastic, like sort of. All right, dry, you know, like dry, sharp as a sharp as a razor as well. You know, if you if you like didn't know him and you said the wrong thing, he'd cut you down. You know. Right, (laughs) (laughs) but in his own way, you
0: know. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's cool, man. That's nice. You said that you kind of you came in as a a learner kind of thing. Yeah. What What were the main What 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 sort of the main things you think Andrew taught you that stick with you today in terms of producing and and that
22: kind of thing? I think, like, I mean, he was so good at arranging, and that's something that. I don't like doing. I really hate... I don't... I really hate arranging cause there's so many possibilities and, like, yeah. you know, I'm waiting for the, I'm waiting for them to come up with some software that, like, auto-arrange, you know? Right? <laughs> but <Like, laughs> you could pick... It'll happen. You will have. I'm happen. sure it's already there. You, can, you know, he comes up with, like, a thousand different arrangements and you can pick one, you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure that's possible. It's just... I don't know yeah. why I don't really like it. But anyway, he was... He was very good at that. He would... He would sit at the desk, and you know, you'd have all your separate sounds out on the desk, and he would sit there for hours, muting things mm. in and out, building a mm. picture of, of the arrangement, you know. Mm. And then, after a couple of hours of that, he would literally just sit back with spliff and just go, right, four bars of that, let that continue for sixteen bars. And he had it all in his head, you know. So he was really clever, mm. really yeah, clever yeah. At
0: arranging. Um, and Do I you think, think like, for you, it's is it is it because you're because I've spoken to other people who've said the same thing about... Range. Is it? Is it, from your point of view, is it maybe like a fear of getting it wrong? Like, there might be a better arrangement yeah, and you might and miss it? Yeah, well, that that, and
22: also it's, things can be very obvious. You know what I mean? It's because also you're working in blocks a lot of the time in in, in, software, mm. in the music software, you know. So, yeah. And yeah. when you're not working in blocks, you tend to sort of bring things in slightly differently. You know, you might bring things in slightly before the bar just little things like that, you know, like which kind of brings mm. brings a track to life. It kind of makes gives it a bit of a more of a live feeling, you know. So that, and I think just like leaving space in things like that is something that I learned off Andrew a lot as well. You know, less less can be more. It's not necessarily always mm. always the rule, but you know, yeah. I that, took that I took a lot definitely from that that kind of of, of um, way of working, mm. you know, just leaving space. I think that probably comes from reggae, mm. music, reggae music as well. You know, he was a big lover mm. of reggae music, and that's always got, you know, the basic yeah, el- the yeah. basic elements. Sometimes enough, you know, you, yeah, don't, yeah. you don't. Sometimes you don't have to chuck the kitchen sink it to make it work. Mm. You know, right? And that's I'll something, and that's yeah, something yeah. that that's always stuck with me. You know, and and, um, mm. and, and, sense, yeah. and it's different. You know, music shouldn't have rules. And it shouldn't. It should be something to explore. Mm. And, you know, and, and I think that is. Something that that would stuck with me from working with him, you know.
0: by two lone swordsmen, Keith Tenniswood and Andrew Everall, of course. Coming up next, bittersweet section, I guess. Going to go back and revisit a couple of great artists who've sadly uh, passed on. Real privilege to have their voices and their thoughts in the Base Agenda archive. Going to kick off with the beautiful voice of Victoria Lucas. A couple of her tracks too, and one of the tracks that she chose was a favourite of hers amazing artist, touched so many hearts, as well as ears, very sorely missed.
1: As far as I remember, I have always been singing. And when I was 17 or something, I started having bands with some friends. I think it was very natural to me to make music because uh, I just couldn't do anything else. I am happy about Superpartners because it's a positive song and it's kind of groovy. Usually I tend to make darker or more twisted stuff. particular affection for the video tracks in general because they are very personal and experimental. Um, I didn't think that much about releasing them on any label, but uh, it became possible because of Clint from Frustrated Funk. He wasn't scared to take risks, he just liked the songs. And um, I feel very grateful about this, it made that very intimate work the label for the people who are interested in it. album by Robert Wyatt is one of my favorite album ever to me it's just perfection I can listen to it ten thousand times I'll always be amazed at the songs uh, the poetry of his lyrics the colors of his chords and uh, of course his beautiful voice
0: Stuff chosen by Victoria Lucas, there, Robert Wyatt. Coming up next, Marcus Moom, aka Das Master, may you rest in peace, master of dark electro. A couple of his tracks coming up too.
23: Well, I always wanted to be a singer when I was young, so um, I was singing two bands here in my hometown Flensburg. We had some gigs at the punk's house, um, at school events, and stuff like that. We organized our own gigs. We always had a lot of fans in our um, practicing rooms, rehearsal rooms, which was quite cool. Yeah, and then I started one day at one point when we split up with the band and techno was coming in the early 90s. I played some, started to create some music on computers. Like I've been to a friend's house and he had this rebirth program from Propellerhead which is two three, or three machines and an 808. So I composed with these pattern sequences, which I really liked. Yeah, and I'm still doing, um, yeah, still use Roland pattern sequences as I'm now having an MC-909 as my main sequencer. As does Musta I always try to um, make some more, let's say, science fiction kind of dark scenario because the future is just beginning to get evil and I want to show that to the people I want to let them feel that something yeah that there's a threat coming closer that you can feel it and that's why I sometimes give them um, names like Überwachungsstaat or other names which can think of that yeah that we are watched, that there's a force, that there's something behind everything which is planning to do something with us. I like to really let out my feelings, just sing, yeah, explain how I feel and give give a good mood or sometimes even a sad mood or melancholic if I feel like this.
0: So, coming up to the end of the show One more track to play here This one's kind of half a flashback but also a flash-forward Some of you may know one of my favourite electro tracks of all time is Millennium Sound by John Selway He's done a remake of that track Really exciting stuff though, it's coming out on vinyl next year with three amazing remixes from three of the best producers we got So that's uh, Radioactive Man remixing Sync 24 remixing and transparent sound remixing as well. Keep an eye on Serotonin Records for more news on that. Gonna be huge, I reckon. To the end of the show There's so many more people I could have included who are uh, just as deserving to feature in uh, this retrospective but then you can access all the interviews mixes etc that have been on Base Agenda over the last 10 years by checking out baseagenda.co.uk and soundcloud.com slash agenda hope you've enjoyed the show I'm sure most of you were in no doubt but hopefully after a couple of hours of this it's clear that playing an Adele track pitched up at a festival has absolutely nothing to do with electro and has almost zero link to the heritage, the legacy and the creativity that true electro artists put in I'll be back next month in the meantime take care thank you for listening have yourselves a great weekend it takes you to the zone in the
8: zone you're free to move through the skies. in the zone you see the Zoi never dies.